This is Leafs Late. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup. Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. It is I, Roscoe, your host. I'm alone today, but that's okay. I've been gone for a while. I just wanted to thank the team for filling in while I've been working through the uh, playoffs here. It's really hard to follow a season so closely for the first time like this and then miss the most important part of the season. I feel like I did a disservice to everybody by uh, by not getting to see it. But hey, you know, got to pay the bills. Work comes first. Uh, and also, I'm sorry for my audio on the last one. I, uh, I thought I was going to have Beaner's uh, voice echoing back, so I tried to turn him down. I ended up turning my own mic down, so can barely hear me on the last episode. That's my uh, that's my bad. Didn't have headphones with me. I just I thought I could try and do something from work, but uh, eh, it didn't work. Anyway, hello, I'm back. Here we are. I've had a couple days to sit with this. It's not been easy. You know, you go through all the stages. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell yourself that it's just it's just sports and it's hard to get beat up. But it's so much time invested over the year. And, you know, with everything that's been going on, it's been such an escape. And this was the first 82 game season since the pandemic hit. And it's just it's been so nice to be able to escape so often. And especially with so many games so close together. And it's over again. It's all over. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, so I want to know. Uh, I don't want to know what everybody else has been doing to uh, recover and uh, cope with this. But I've uh, honestly, not gonna lie, have went out for uh, for a couple drinks with some friends and uh, ditched all the Leafs gear. We were wearing nothing of the sort. Southey and I didn't wear our Leafs hats, and our other friend was wearing a Dallas Stars jersey. You know, everything. It's so quick. You just flip off after. Uh, after something like that, man, I'm sorry. It's just, it's really hard to, uh, to put together with no game. You know, after talking about post game so long, but, uh, all right, let's do it. So just quick, let's recap first round here. We had some, uh, actually, no, I'll save that for when the rest of the team comes back because it's all their picks. Um, I, I really want to focus on what piece might've been missing because I mean, look, this is the best team we've seen ever. This is historically the best Leaf team that ever touched the ice. But it's... I don't want to say it wasn't good enough, but so many teams were so good this year that they needed that extra piece to be that bit better. And, I mean, what was it? They they addressed every problem on defense. The, you've got Matthews winning the Rocket Richard again. Um fantastic season from Mitch and from Willie. I mean, Tavares was great. It's just, it all comes back to money, unfortunately, because uh, Bettman loves to make this league fair because that's what he thinks will make it fair. And I think that's a good point. That's what I want to start with here is what the effect of this cap, The sorry, the effect this cap has on parity is that on skill level, all the teams should be about the same. So it comes down to the um, immeasurables and, uh, you know, the deep stats that really set players apart. 
and other teams apart. And I think that's where you start to to see people asking for the Leafs to have a real pain in the ass on the team. And I saw um, Engvall kind of uh, pick up that attitude closer to the end of the season here. And Mikheyev was trying. And, you know, we've got Simmons and Clifford, but there's really not... The, the two of them don't really have the skill anymore or ever to with Clifford to back up uh, or to warrant putting them in the lineup. So it's hard to to use guys like that in that situation. And then, you know, you're up against guys around the league like the Kachucks and Marchand and, you know, uh, Tom Wilson. And I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here. There's tons more. I mean, Corey Perry and Belmar. Like every team has these guys that are able to be an annoying presence on the ice and get inside the heads of the other players because when everybody's skill level is the same it comes down to how do you get in the heads of the other team and i feel like with the history the leafs have had the last couple years of failure it's really easy to get inside the head of this team so they need someone that's going to keep all of the patrick maroons at bay all year and somebody with the skill to back it up and I can't believe I'm saying this, and this is just in saying this out loud, I've kind of come to this conclusion that maybe new free agent Nazem Kadri might not be a bad idea to bring back to Toronto. You know, the rest of the team can call me out on this, and they're not here to do it live, which I love. So I guess I'll just indulge myself in this point. But look, John Tavares is a fantastic hockey player. But what I've kind of come to decide over the last couple hours uh, in preparing for this is that maybe it wasn't the best timing for this team when they signed him. Because, look, we've seen Mitch and Austin come into their primes now, and we need somebody that is also hitting that prime right now with them. And I think John's on his way down from his... And with the money that he's still getting paid, it's really hard to put the pieces that you need around these guys to give them a shot while we still have them at the current contracts. Because, I mean, in a couple, starting in a year or two, we're going to have to start preparing for how do we afford to pay Austin Matthews $17 million a year to stay or whatever it is. Like, it's going to be ridiculous when this contract runs out if the cap's up by that point. So I think the time has come to have the discussion about, you know, what, what do we do about this John Tavares contract? I love the guy. I think he's fantastic at all the things that he's always been fantastic at his net front presence, his, uh, his hockey IQ, his uh, positioning, his face-offs. He's incredible at all of that, but I don't know if he's, if the team can afford to pay $11 million for that luxury. Like I just, until there's a luxury tax, they that's literally what it is to the, to the Leafs right now, is having that on your second line as your center is a luxury, and it, it's one that they can no longer afford. So I don't know if it's moving on from him with salary retained or what, but it's it's going to be a really complicated offseason. To, to touch on easier ones, I mean, Mrazek needs to go, obviously, at $3.8 million, and Hall at 2 I I don't think they can afford to do any more. There's just there's so many pieces that, that can move on to free up this space, but sorry, I'll try, to, I'll try to regather my thoughts here. So bring it back to Nazem Kadri. 
We saw Michael Bunting explode as a fantastic piece on the first line on this year. Um, I think he's starting to bring that to the first line and he's starting to back those guys up. And we saw Matthews and Mitch both throw a ton of hits uh, towards the end of the season. Once they got that confidence that they're not going to be pushed around. And I think building off of that and bringing in somebody that's going to back that up with a voice and um, also his play, because I mean, Kadri's coming off of one of his most fantastic seasons ever. Uh, I think honestly, I'm call me crazy, but I think that would be a huge addition to the second line here to just be like he was with McKinnon this year, just that one, two punch. Um, I, I think it's necessary if this team wants to compete in the playoffs. I hate that I'm saying this because I don't like to be this person because you know what? It, it, the whistles didn't go away. The whistles were out more than ever. And, you know, Kadri could cost them the same thing he did last time with Boston, but I think he's matured as a player and this team has matured and is at a point where they need someone who's at the highest level they're going to be in their career right now with these guys who are also at that point. And I don't think JT's there anymore. That's my full point. Okay. Let's move on to some other contracts on this team because really that's what we got to talk about now that the season's done. So the first RF or sorry, first UFA on the team is Ilya Mikheyev, who, as I've talked about a lot, hitting that 20 goal mark towards the end of the season, I think he's guaranteed himself at least. I mean, the guy could get 3 million, maybe three and a half. Like, I don't know where he's going to go, but I, I know the Leafs are not going to be able to afford him. He's at 1.645 right now. Um, I, I think easily that doubles. Uh, good for him. He had a great year, but I, I don't think we can afford to keep him. So that's a uh, bye-bye, Ilya Mikheyev. Sad to see you go, just in my opinion. Uh, Andre Kasha and Pierre Engvall are both RFAs. So the Leafs have until the day bef- after the trade, or sorry, the day after the draft, uh, which is June 29th, unless it's different this year. And then July 1st, uh, they would become free agents unless they are qualified offers. So do we... Andre Kosh is tough because the guy is... I know Darty calls him glass. Uh, the way that he plays, he puts himself in high danger situations. He He can produce and he showed that he can put up points, but... With the way he plays, he's never going to be guaranteed to play 82 games. So I wouldn't pay him any more than the 1.25 he's currently getting. Uh, that would kind of match him with David Kampf, who's at one and a half next year. Keep them together. They're buddies. I mean, I like it. I think the same with Pierre Engvall. He did have a really great season, but I know it was more the back half. I don't know if it was enough to earn him a raise necessarily, but if they can keep him again at 1.25 for another year, I don't hate that. But again, if they both walk, there's Matthew Nyes, there's Nick Robertson, there's people, which I I don't want to say that they're people you can slot into this lineup because we do want to be ready for the playoffs and competitive. But I just mean that for people that can move around in the lineup in that bottom six, I think you have options uh, if you let them go. Uh, other than that, moving on with the forwards, the last ones here are Spezza and Blackwell. This is tough. Jason Spezza was a huge part of the turnaround in that game where the Leafs were down 2-0 and came back against uh, Tampa. 
but I don't know if Jason Spezza can be productive on this team anymore um, for another full season. What I think would be best for him is to move into an assistant coaching role with the Leafs or some sort of development role. Probably assistant coaching is the best uh, because I think his voice is very well respected uh, within the locker room. And I don't think that should go away, but I think that space on the lineup, I mean, look, he didn't even play the first two games of the playoffs. That should tell you that like his, he's just not there anymore. And it's sad because he, he's so close to still being there. Like there's spurts of it all the time. You know, he'll go on a couple streaks, a couple game streaks here and there where he puts up goals, but it's, it's evident that, you know, he's going to be 39. It's not going to keep going. I think, I think it's time to move on from the Jason Spezza saga. And that's sad to say, because it's, you know, this is a, a stretch of years where we've seen, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Jason Spezza, and Mark Giordano all put on Leaf jerseys, and that's just absolutely insane. Um, and Wayne Simmons, like, come on, this is it's crazy. But uh, I think it's time that we move on from this one. Unfortunately, I think even at a, a league min as an extra, I, like he wants to play. If if he's on the team, he's going to want to play. So I think the best way to to satisfy that with him is to give him a a role on the team where he feels like he's being useful day in and day out. Uh, The other one, Colin Blackwell. I mean, the guy's making under league minimum as it is. So I don't think he's like, I don't think there's any point in keeping him. Uh, They tried it out. He was, he was fun to watch. Um, Again, he's going to be 30 next year. I don't, I don't really see the point in keeping him around. Um, moving on to the defense, Mark Giordano, 3.375, uh, his contract runs out at the end of this, uh, this season here. I think he brought a lot of solid, solid, um, consistency to the defense that wasn't there for a long time. Uh, he solidified Timothy Lilligren as a, a, a really solid defense player prospect i'm using solid a lot but you know defense solid rock wall hard words (laughs) uh but no he's been honestly he's been fantastic and it's been fun to watch him i don't know if uh he's not gonna get 3.375 again like that's for sure if he'll take a league min or like a million or a million and a half to stick around for another year in toronto sure but that Two and a, you got to basically take two and a half million off of his contract, which puts him at what one point eight. Sure, take that two and a half and slap it onto the top of Morgan Riley's contract because that's the raise he's getting. So, uh, I think if you do that, then sure that works. Otherwise, I think you kind of have to move on from him if he wants any more than than two million dollars or one point five. Um, the others that are up, this is where it gets tough. I mean, you got Ilya Labushkin, who really wasn't supposed to be a first line defender and found a place with Morgan Riley. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but like I said, he wasn't supposed to be on the first line there. This was a, a little flip flop that, uh, Dubas was able to pull off for the failed signing that was Nick Ritchie. Um, I like the idea of keeping him. I don't think he's going to make much more than, I mean, he's on 1.35 right now. I don't think he needs any more than that. Maybe he signs 1.5 to stick around. 
Like, or you let him walk and you move up Sandine and Lilligren because I think, I mean, Sandine was hurt a lot this year and Lilligren's now um, 23 years old. So I think, I think it's time that they, they can get some real minutes. So I don't hate that. The one that does need to move on here, I think is uh, Justin Hall because at $2 million, he can't be, he, he can't be on here anymore. I mean, he still has another year at that and it's just eating up money on the back end there. Um, I know Keith and Dubas like him, but I'm sorry. It's, it's not as much that his play has been bad because he's, he's gotten better towards the end of the season, but it's the $2 million that I think was just a mistake, unfortunately. Now the, the other big question here on defense is Jake Muzzin. Muzzin missed a lot of this season, and the time that he didn't miss, he was questionable at best. And then he shows up for the playoffs. And now I said this, I don't know if anybody was able to hear it on the last episode, but I mentioned to Beaner that I think Justin or Jake Muzzin might have just saved his career with his playoff performance. And I'm going to stand by that because honestly, I was of the mind that like if he was only coming back right before the playoffs, why didn't we LTIR him? Like, why didn't we shoot this contract into Robodot Island and just say goodbye to this? Because 5.625 before Riley's bonus kicks in, he's the highest paid defenseman on the team. Are you joking? Like, with the amount of time he's been missing, it's like he's 6.9% of the cap. <laughs> nice. Um, that That's wild. I think it's it's time that we have a conversation about, you know, is he a five and a half million dollar defender anymore? Because if he's not, uh, this is the off season of, you know, make the decision. Honestly, like I'm not saying blow it up, but like if you want to keep the pieces you have, like if you want to keep Jack Campbell, that money's got to come from somewhere. And so far in this little workshop I've done so far, I haven't saved that much money. I've definitely not saved enough to sign Jack Campbell. So I think that the only place I see that coming from is Jake Muzzin. So I don't know. I might be wrong there and a little more time evaluating this. I could find a better option, but that takes us on to Jack Campbell. So at 1.65, he's going to want, I don't know, three and a half, four probably for three. I'm going to say it's probably a three or 12 million, something in that range. Like, uh, so you got to find about three. What is that? Oh my God, my math is so three point three five. You need to to keep him around, or two point three five. Oh my gosh, my math is awful right now. I'm so tired. Sorry, guys. Um, so I think if you're able to move Muzz, and even if you have to retain salary, that can go to to keeping Jack. But then you still don't have a backup because. You got Peter Morazic at 3.8 million. Ugh. We can't keep Peter Morazic, guys. I'm sorry. I know that's not an unpopular thing to say, but it, with the amount of time he missed, again, like Muzzin, it's just there's no way of telling what his play is going to be like, and that's a massive part of the salary cap there that's being eaten up. I I think this is the time where it's if it's not working, cut it, because that money needs to go to something that does work fast because the clock is ticking on this core and I, I hate to be the doomsday clock person but look 
if you can't find somebody that's going to push all of this past the first round, we're not even asking for not even asking for a cup. I'm asking for just if you want to get past the first round, if you want to be able to compete, no questions asked against Florida or Tampa or I mean, fuck, Buffalo is going to be good in the next couple of years. You got to watch for these teams that are building in the in the shadows here too. Like, I'm going to eat that, I'm sure, and I know my team's laughing at me, but I'm still going to stand behind Buffalo being a sneaky pick. Um, like these contracts aren't forever, and these guys aren't going to be at the top of their game forever. So it's it's find what works, keep it. What's not, move on from it. Speaking of moving on from things that don't work, Phil Kessel's $1.2 million comes off the books. So that's a plus. Um, I guess in conclusion, there's some people that are going to move and it's going to free up some money to keep some people that we want to keep. The next question is, who is this potential piece that comes in? Is it a defenseman? Is it a forward? Is it a goalie? So a question from Steph, uh, who... Could not join me, but sent in a question. Thank you, Garl. Um, is Jack Campbell still elite? Does he take the discount or browse the market? I can't help but think he doesn't leave the group. It'll be hard to find a number one at a good price. I think the camaraderie in the room between him and, uh, and Matthews and Marner, and like, I mean, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he's going to do what he can to find a deal that works with the Leafs here. <sighs> I mean, they've given him all the chances they can and he's proven that he can be a number one starter i mean he went through a, a rough patch in the middle there with injury and uh, the all-star break and everything and i had my comments about you know maybe that was getting to his head being in the all-star too early when he he might not deserve it yet but hey i think he he turned out okay and stood up against vasilevsky on the other side I'm I'm okay with keeping Jack Campbell. I just think it's going to be tough to find a number two because that market is tight, man. Everybody needs goalies. Um, another question here from Mike. Thanks, Mike. At Mike the Fanatic, if you had to trade one of the core five guys, Maddie, Mitch, Mo, JT, or Willie, who would it be and what type of return would you be looking for? Okay, this is great. This is what I'm talking about right now. So I think of all of them, it has to be JT just because of the money and nothing else. I think Willie has had his issues, but at 6.9 or whatever he's making, I think he is the best value for the points he's putting up. Um, I think across the league, he'd be making a lot more than that if he was a free agent tomorrow. Uh, it's got to be JT just because of the money, because I think you can turn... It's harder to turn 6.9 million into two or three productive guys. It's easier to turn 11 million into two or three productive guys. And I think that's what is going to really make the difference here. You know, if you can, like, you're going to lose Mikheyev, so you have to replace that. You need some third line dangerous scoring threat. So that's going to be just Dubas browsing the bottom of the barrel like he is good at and finding someone that uh, was overlooked or someone has to let go of, you know, honestly, maybe Seattle blows it up and Jared McCann's available and you get your old pick back there. Like I think that there's going to be a lot of teams that are in panic mode. I mean, Philly's going to be blowing it up. Detroit's in panic mode. Um, 
I don't know, man. There's a lot of things going on around the league. I think a lot of people are going to be available, but it's just it's a matter of the money. Um, what type of return would you be looking for for JT? I think. Look, say he goes somewhere like. Where would John Tavares be good? I th- I think his next stop would be the West. I don't think he stays. Uh, maybe he does stay around in the East. Man, this is hard. Because, <sighs> like, who can take on an $11 million contract? Like, pff, Philly. How about that? So we send him to Philly. What do we get back? They have nothing left anymore. Like, Farabee? Okay. Okay. Wait a second. Let me Let me work this out. Let me work this out. I'm doing this on the fly. So JT goes to Philadelphia. In return, we get um, what about Owen Tippett and Joel Farabee? I mean, I <laughs> fine. They probably don't want to move on from Owen Tippett already. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to pull up Philly's roster. What about what about Faraby and Lindblom? I don't know. I like Tippett though. I think I think it'd be interesting to explore in more depth with the rest of the team here, but that's kind of where I'm at. And I know Marty Zilstra is just absolutely shredding his speakers right now, listening to me talk about this, but like it's just at the point where um, the money needs to make sense. And if you want to make a push while well, you still have Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Mo, <sighs> the odd one out is, uh, is him. Unfortunately, it sucks because I'm not really, Oh my God. It's so hard to say it, but yeah, that's where I'm at. I know this was just a lot of me reading through cap friendly and assessing what's next, but I think it's, it's important to kind of, everybody keeps saying, you know, you can't blow it up. You got to run it back. There's not a really easy way to do that because there's so many people's contracts that are expiring and raises that are kicking in that in order to keep this together and still have a competitive team, you do have to move on from some things and it's making the tough decisions about who you're going to move on from. That's going to really define Dubas as a GM. Um, This is like, I know we're going to say this every time, but next season is going to be all or nothing because uh, I think this is where we see the big move happen before the season starts. I just, I do because this one's, this season's different where it's not like, okay, everybody's still under contract. We can run it back. This one's a little more complicated. (sighs) So I was planning on doing this for the next episode, but, um, Next one we're going to talk with the team about, is there a signing that makes sense or a trade that makes sense? I've given you a bit of my take so far. Um, and next uh, episode, we'll talk about our picks for the next round. I, uh, I'll just give you mine real quick here. Florida and Tampa. I think Florida takes this one in six games. Uh, I think Florida's offense has just been sneaky, just at picking up on those uh, the mistakes that every other team makes. And I think that was something that, the Leafs were good at against Tampa and uh, Florida's only better at it. So 
I think I give Florida the edge there. Rangers and Carolina. This one's going to be tough, man. If Freddie comes back for this uh, this round, Freddie versus Igor. Oh, this is going to be crazy. Um, I do like the Rangers in the way that they were able to rally back against Pittsburgh from three to one there. I like Chris Kreider and Zibanejad and yeah, I'm gonna, I'm picking Rangers in. Uh, I'm just gonna play it safe. Rangers in six. The Battle of Alberta, man, this is gonna be wild. I think this one goes to seven, and I think it's gonna go to Calgary. I think Calgary uh, is coming out of playing a really, really, really annoying. Dallas Stars team and I think now they're going to be able to find their footing and take advantage of some missteps on defense by the Oilers no offense Cody Ceci and Tyson Berry <laughs> but uh yeah I think the oil or the uh the Flames are going to jump all over that and as for Colorado and St. Louis man this is going to be a great series uh Colorado in five but they're all going to be extremely close games and with that i think i should sign off because i can't really do much more alone (laughs) thank you all for uh for sticking it out with me uh this whole season i mean this is episode 80 and change with some bonus episodes of leafs late night that we've done i mean i shared in our discord this all started with a message to steph the first game of the season saying, Hey, do you want to do a podcast tonight? And, uh, here we are. So I just want to thank all of you for, for tuning in, for sending in questions, for supporting us and sharing everything. And it's just been a wild ride so far. And we're going to keep up programming through the summer. Obviously there's lots to talk about. Uh, we're going to stick to a schedule, hopefully of, uh, Monday, Thursday, Sunday. So stick around and that's when you'll get your new episodes. Remember to follow, and subscribe and like and leave reviews and all that helps us move up in the charts and more people see the show and then we can get ads because everybody loves listening to ads but you know that means we can bring more things to the show because uh support thanks everybody i love you all go leafs go there's always next year and i hope everybody's doing okay till next time this has been leafs late night Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. 